Welcome to another episode on the People Productivity Channel where you are the product and a better you is the solution. Today I have on another excellent guest and a friend, Gary Fortier. And Gary, uh, welcome. Gary, by the way, has a tremendous background. He was not only an Army Ranger, he's led large HR organizations, been involved in entrepreneurship many, many times, is currently CEO of a company and has tremendous experience on the human side of business. So we brought Gary on today to really talk about what the world's going to look like after this crisis and you know what we can expect going forward. And we're gonna prognosticate a little. It's a very important topic. Lead from anywhere, work from anywhere, hire from anywhere, manage from anywhere. This is the new world. How do you do it well? What should we expect? So Gary, maybe you could just say hi to the audience, introduce yourself quickly. Absolutely. Thanks, Frank. Uh, great to talk to you again. Uh, as yep. Frank said, we've known each other for a bit and had some really spirited and engaged conversations about people, leadership, culture, how to run organizations. I didn't know uh, exactly you know, how much prognostication we were going to be doing, so I'm glad that last night I spent a fair amount of time polishing my crystal ball. So hopefully <laughs> it's nice and clear. It will provide us both some good insights. Maybe we can go yeah. trade on this afterwards. Everybody's trying to tell the future right now. So I'm looking forward, great topic and very timely, obviously. Uh, well, just very quick, brief intro uh, is, I like to run companies. I like to build teams and lead organizations and solve problems. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that in a variety of different industries. Usually it involves software and services. Uh, software is so scalable and it touches so many parts of our lives. It's a great way to solve problems. And one of the things I would think of myself as uh, kind of a hybrid person of, of leader, strategy, operations, finance. And I start with leader because it's been pretty clear in my experience that uh, the highest performing teams from the culture and, and people and team perspective are clearly the highest performing companies from a P&L top line, bottom line perspective. And oh, so sure. we're trying to always you know, lean into the idea of start with people and then uh, that ends up being some usually pretty good uh, quantifiable financial results. And it makes it a lot more fun to get there too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Great work environment. You know, great cultures are just so much better to work in. No question. So, you know, we're having some interesting conversations around this new world of work and, you know, how most teams, you know, had people mixed remote and in the office prior to this. And, you know, how the democratization of uh, getting, of having everybody online has actually been a benefit, right? that it's a better experience for everybody. Why don't we chat about that and see where this is going? Yeah, I think it's been, it's been a fascinating case study, right? Like, I mean, I'm always a silver lining guy. And so, uh, so much of the last couple of months to three months has been pretty challenging for everybody. You know, but where are those lessons learned that we can suss out? What are the things that we can do mm -hmm. tomorrow better because of the things we're being forced to go through today? And the remote, distributed model question and debate, if you will, is something that I have had for 15 years mm -hmm. with folks that I help run companies with. And I mean, back and forth and read books and watch webinars and all these things about, you know, is it better? Is it worse? And this is the ultimate case study, right? Where it's not a question of, is it better or worse? It's the only thing you can do. So everybody just go do it hundred percent. And yeah. so all of those things that we've seen anecdotally or piecemeal before, are just in your face every single day. And so it has been a fascinating social and 
productivity experiment over the last couple of months. And I do think that it will likely fundamentally change how we think about the, the standard workspace, if you will, the idea of uh, you know, there's, there's taxes, there's death, there's your commute. Well, is there? Is there that commute? Is that a given going forward? Is the expensive real estate marquee with lots of glass and a huge environmental footprint, frankly, downtown necessary? Is, you know, all these things start really yeah. calling into question. Yesterday, we were having a conversation at work and somebody was saying how you know, one of the upsides is, hey, the streets are closed. I can ride my bike anywhere. This is great. You know, so does this fundamentally change commuting patterns? All these big, gnarly questions that, frankly, you know, municipalities and governments and space planners and all of these other folks have been trying to figure out with the congestion and the environment. It's not to expand the scope of what's already a meaty topic, but it really is interesting to see all the tentacles that come into this. How do we yeah. work? I mean, what it's done for the environment you know, even the clean air. It's amazing. Yeah. A couple of months into this, suddenly the air is the cleanest it's been. Jellyfish in tennis. I mean, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Right. I had heard that. Like a meme. Yeah, that you could see that the water is clean in Venice and Italy now, and you can see, and they, they were showing jellyfish swim, whereas before oh. the water, you know, green, you, you, know, you, yeah. you can see two inches into it, right? So it's just. It's amazing. Unintended consequences. Right. Yeah. I mean, commercial real estate, having marquee real estate in downtown in a big city, you yeah. know, why would you pay for that going forward? And certainly yeah. with, you know, there'll yeah. be some, you know, hoteling version of real estate. Um, it's just going to be so different. Yeah, I, I really do think it's good. fundamental changes. And in, in, I think some of them will be manifested for many years. We won't see. You know, as I look over and I see, you know, of course, your company's name, People Productive. And we were talking about this today in our all hands. We have weekly all hands with the company. And, and just by way of introduction, so Ready ed Education had always been distributed. So we had offices in multiple spots and individual contributors and team leaders around the world. And so for us, switching to a fully remote model literally happened in 24 hours. I said, okay, everybody, if you go into the office today, get your stuff because we're not going back tomorrow. And that was seamless. Uh, obviously, we had a nice advantage in that regard, and other companies had a, a much harder curve. Yeah, you were there. certainly well so for us, the model. Yeah, for us, the, the leap from mostly distributed to fully distributed was, it wasn't a leap. It was a pretty short step. But what's been interesting, and we've talked a lot about this from a mental health and productivity in terms of just throughput mm -hmm. perspective, we were actually talking about this, you know, a couple hours ago around how I think what we originally all did was we said, oh, my God, I just got all this time back. I got all my commuting time back. So I'm just going to, you know, if I used to leave the house at seven o'clock to get on the train or the subway or my car or what have you, I'm going to start working at seven. And I used to leave the office at six and, so, and not get home till seven. So I'm just going to work till seven. And... I'm just going to jam my whole day with Zoom meetings. And I think we were all doing that for the first few weeks and just smoked, frankly. <laughs> like we were just all exhausted because it was just back to back to back to back to back Zooms mm -hmm. and all super structured, super structured. And while it was productive, it, it was 
it was not real. It was not the way we had worked before. Nobody had a calendar that looked like that. Nobody did that per se. And well, it felt really productive. It felt really weird. And it was pretty mentally exhausting. And everybody, I think, at least in our world uh, at the company, after about a month of that, just kind of said, you know, hit the wall. And, mm -hmm. and just was starting to realize that, wow, this isn't great. And around the same time, I think was also where the human contact piece was really starting to be missed and external from work, the human contact. The, I used to you know, go get drinks with friends after work, or I used to hit the gym before work, or I used to go run for a park in the middle of the day. And yeah. you shut all of that down at once. And it was really interesting to see, and you know, talk to a lot of friends and colleagues too, you have this entire generation of professional workers who had to relearn how to work pretty quickly yeah super interesting right yeah and there's no playbook right there wasn't i mean people had worked remote or distributed before but there had still always been some travel i mean typically as a guy who runs a company remotely i was going up i was flying up there every week well i haven't been on an airplane in two months yeah. right so that's just a totally different way to work for me uh, and other distributed people did have times to come together or they were distributed so they could be closer to customers. And so mm -hmm. they would go out to see customers. So all of it has just been, you know, tipped upside down. Yeah. And the social isolation really did peer its, you know, head into things about a month ago, I would say, where yeah. people really, yeah. really started feeling it. Yeah. And, you know, you have... no, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say humans have just different levels of social need strength. And, um, you know, people with high social need strength who are isolated feel it in a very deep way. Yeah, we've, we've had those conversations. So one of the things that's been interesting, again, unintended consequences and try to learn, I always try to learn from everything that, that happens, is watching how, you know, not to be in two big distinct buckets, because that's not how the world or people work, but let's call it introverts and extroverts, right? Mm -hmm. Watching many introverts flourish and say, finally, right, this is great. I get a, a lot of energy. I'm incredibly productive. This is fantastic. Meanwhile, watching folks who you know, more stereotypically would fall on that extroversion side of the scale, struggling, yeah. right? Right? really struggling to keep the energy up, really struggling to not be able to have those uh, serendipitous conversations managed by walking around, et cetera. So I know personally, as a guy who does a lot of manage by walking around, mm -hmm. travel around, etc. It has been uh, a, a big change, a big change about how do you operate? How do I think about my day? How do I structure my day? How do I you know, engage with the team? And I think as a leader, it's, it's not that challenging to be intentional with your direct reports. Like it's pretty easy to have a lot of interaction and discussion with your direct yeah, reports agreed. in a remote world, in a remote world where I've really found it kind of challenging and, and struggled a bit is, well, how do I engage with everybody else in a remote world? Because in a non-remote world, I do that all the time. You know, walk around the office, eat lunch in the, the cafeteria with everybody, you know, water cooler conversations, stop yeah. by somebody's desk, they stop at your desk, you know, just serendipitously. And actually in smaller companies, I've, I typically will actually put together a list of folks that I haven't, had a personal conversation with in the last month and make sure I go talk to them just to make sure there's always those channels. Yeah. It's pretty tough to do this entirely remote because now all of a sudden 
sudden, well, hey, Gary just sent me a note and he wants to meet. What happened? Uh-oh. You know, like, yeah. am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? And, and it feels stilted and it's not a natural conversation as opposed to, hey, we're both getting a cup of water. You know, hey, Sue, how are you doing? You know, that's easy. Uh, and yeah. it's a little bit tougher in the environment. It really is. You know, the whole notion of Zooming around instead of wandering around. Yep. But if I drop yep. in on Zoom, just check in, see how you're doing, right? Yeah. Well, we tried this. It's funny. About six, seven years ago, we had, uh, I was helping to run a mobile app company. And we were, so I literally have been grasping, gra uh, grappling, I would say, with the remote distributed thing forever. To, because, as I said, I like to run companies people first and how do you create this amazing culture where everybody's fully engaged and it really does feel like a big team it's not just a team in Boston a team in San Francisco a team in and uh, so this company we opened an office in San Francisco and we wanted to have those two offices feel tighter together so I would go back and forth every month and you know that helps but that's mm -hmm. not enough, clearly and so we got uh, we said all right well we're a technology company how can we solve this problem with technology and so we got a robot with an iPad that you could remotely operate. So somebody in San Francisco could just move the robot around and with the camera and their face was on it and they could go say hi. And you know, interesting concept, definitely a toy, a gadget that, you know, a bunch of tech geeks we wanted to play yeah. with. Not a good the outcome. It was not good. It was, uh, it freaked people <laughs> out. It felt, it felt really weird. It, you know, it was designed to help bridge those, those personal gaps. It actually felt really clinical, very antiseptic. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, it was really weird. And so what ended up happening, and again, this is where I love teams. Teams vote with their actions, right? Or inactions. Uh, so they voted in two ways. On the inaction side, most of the people in San Francisco said, I don't really want to play around with that because it bugs people. They don't like it when I show up and scare them. And on the action side, people in Boston said, I don't like this thing. And so they, <laughs> uh, more than one person decided, well, if I put it in the corner and I put a box behind it, nobody can move it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so they trapped it. <laughs> so they trapped it. They, uh, it was, yeah. And so, you know, again, you got to try things to learn and see what works and what doesn't. But that did not work. So that was a, it was a humorous, it was a humorous attempt. Yeah. I guess it's a clever tech attempt definitely right, right. But i could see it freaking people out yeah i think uh one of the things in my last gig i was helping to run you know a global company with six thousand employees around the world mm -hmm. and we talked a lot about culture and engagement and clearly that was before covid so you know people were coming together physically still but still we, we you know things you have to be intentional about if you want them to happen and i think that's one of the things that companies struggle with whether it's remote distributed or all in person is none of this is serendipitous none of this is just you just don't fall into it you don't just accidentally create this great culture of engagement and nourishing your employees and accomplishing things everybody being aligned all the other good things and i think one of the things that if there's going to be a positive coming out of this if there is going to be a silver lining relative to how we work it, this has forced people to be more intentional around how you engage with others and drive engagement as broader groups. Yeah, that is absolutely. Can't, it's not going to happen accidentally in a remote world. No, no. way. You just can't, uh, you can't even lull yourself to sleep thinking, oh, I talk to Frank, you know, every day. 
Well, maybe you did in, in the physical world, but you know, some of the research and data that I've seen is that those happenstance bump-ins, if you will, mm -hmm. um, brain puts them in a very clear tactical work-based side. So if every time I see you, I bump into you and I say, hey, Frank, where are we on ABC? And you give me a status update. As the boss, great, I feel I'm in the loop and I'm talking to Frank every day. But Frank says, well, I'm just a number. He, yep. he just cares about my work. Does he, care he, doesn't about care about he doesn't care about me. He cares about my work. And many, many leaders I've seen don't understand that. They confuse those two. They say, well, I talk to Frank every day. Of course he knows I care about him. Well, no, you ask Frank every day what he's done for you. As opposed to, hey, Frank, I'm going to schedule time, call it a one-on-one, -on, -one, on a very regular, very frequent occurrence where we're going to talk. I'm here for you, and we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about, and I'll give you some feedback, and we'll talk about your career goals and some other things, mm -hmm. and I'm going to talk about what you want to talk about on a schedule. And the psychology I've seen and the research I've seen there, that scheduled, intentional discussion about your agenda, I get all kinds of credit, check the block, if you will, on actually caring and establishing trust. And so the intentionality is all the difference. And so the remote world, I think, has really highlighted, because you can't do it unintentionally, has highlighted the need for intentionality, which I'm hopeful can help drive some behaviors that drive trust, that drive engagement, that drive, you know, ultimately results. Yeah, and actually the fact that people are more on alert, that people may, may be struggling. They may, mm -hmm. may then decide to do the right thing and check in on them as humans. How are you doing? Is everything okay? How's the family? I mean, those conversations are suddenly you're more than your job, which is super important, right? You know, it's, it's an unbelievably good point that at this point right now in the last two months, if you don't ask those things, it's weird. Yeah, very right? strange. Right. It'd be very weird if you started a conversation with anything. I mean, I can't even imagine it, frankly. If my one-on-one was somebody on my team and my first thing was immediately, you know, where do we stand on this project? It would be just totally jarring. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you go back six months, can you imagine? I mean, in most companies I've worked in, I can't. That if you started the conversation six months ago by saying, how are you feeling? How's your health? How's your family's health? Right. In the office. Yeah. You had to be they, a caring leader to they do that. They kind of looked around and were like, are you asking, you're asking me, what, huh? What's that have to do with anything? Well, it has to do with everything, frankly, but uh, it is really, it'll be interesting to see how many of these behavior changes are sticky. Uh, because there's a lot of them that have been positive. And, and again, if you take these behaviors and then, transition them to an in-person world, really powerful outcomes. Yeah. It is going to, it is radically changing behaviors. I think longer term for the better, people are awakening to the fact that they have to be intentional about these things. And this is yeah. going to be good. This is ultimately going to be good for cultures and performance. Yeah. I think one of the things that's been incredibly obvious from my vantage point over the last couple of months is that and we'll never be, I hope, we'll never be in an all or nothing world. So this is also a huge social experiment about all or nothing. Right? Yeah. So everybody's remote, right? Everybody wasn't local before and now everybody is remote. Mm -hmm. And I highly doubt we'll ever return to it. Everybody is being local again. 
But one of the things, you know, going back to the productivity and, and the team aspect that has, I think, been really interesting to see is that when everybody is remote, the, the way people interact is much more fair and equitable, right? Mm -hmm. In the distributed model, you have 10 people in a conference room and two people zooming in. Those two people are, they might as well just be, you know, paintings on the wall most of the time because it's tough to get a word in edgewise. You can't hear, don't get the inside jokes. It's like, you know, my yeah, connectivity is impressive. great. You know, like, ugh, this sucks. Bad experience. I yeah, agree. right. And, and it's a bad experience. And everybody gets those meetings on their calendars where they just know, oh, I'm the one remote person, you know, in the old world. And you just go, yeah. ugh. And, and I'd be willing to bet most people in that scenario are thinking, oh, I'll catch up on emails, right? Yeah, totally. Well, that's not good behavior. That's not, that's not exactly a people productive, right? Yeah. And so now though, everybody's in the same boat. And so it is equal footing. And so, you know, that remote person is all of us. And so getting your question in there, having your voice be heard, you know, making sure you can see what's being displayed. You know, how many times have you been the remote person calling into a meeting and they go to the whiteboard? Oh, oh. <laughs> horrible. That's true. That's a great experience, right? Yeah. Like that's a great experience. And I think the only thing better than when they don't move the camera is when they do, right? Like somebody's holding a laptop and goes over the whiteboard and it's, it's as if you're watching the Blair Witch Project and it's shaking all over uh -huh. the place and you find yourself getting nauseous and you can't see and you're just like, what is this? What is it? Yeah. Uh, and so fortunately, I think we've, uh, maybe we've all kind of sat up and paid attention and taken notice and said, all right, well that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not do that again and uh, and so it will be I'm hopeful talking to my folks on my team on our team who have been remote forever if you will they have seen a marked improvement in let's call it meeting behavior mm -hmm. and so they have found this part to be great right like wow I'm, I feel much more part of the inclusion discussion. yeah, yeah much more is inclusion yeah, phenomenal. I think that's one of the things that's going to be better as a result of this. I agree with you. The whole notion of being inclusive and considerate of other people who are remote, that'll be a reflex now. Right. Hopefully. I hope. I yeah, hope. I hope so well, too. You, know, you see different things about how long does it take, how many repetitions, and in, in what's the duration for behavioral change to stick. And we're definitely getting there at this point. Yeah. A couple months in, a lot of repetitions for everybody. So again, just like any new behavioral change, you have to keep at it to, to keep nurturing it. Mm -hmm. But I think those, those muscle and, and mental memories are happening, right? They definitely are happening. Yeah. We're in the territory where this is now a habit, a lot of this stuff. I think you're right. Yeah, yep. really is. So um, I wonder what will happen when the first remote reorgs happen. I've already done it. You've already done it. So uh, yeah. getting everybody together and the full, uh, well, it, it, when you say reorg, I meant like realignment of the company. Yes. The transformation, right? So uh, I came into this role about four months ago and we needed, uh, this was already in the works before COVID, but it just needed, it now happened to happen remote. And so I have uh, helped lead turnarounds and rapid transformations a number of times before, but never fully remote. Mm -hmm. And so doing, a reorg remote was uh, definitely a different experience, uh, definitely yeah. a different approach. Uh, hiring people remote. 
So, you know, now it's been a while. So Hire we've hired, hired yeah. we've hired some remote, I mean, everybody's remote now, but we've hired people who wouldn't have been remote previously and now are, you know, they were operating. And uh, so we hired a new chief product officer a couple of months ago and he's never met anybody. I mean, he's running the product and engineering teams, but he's never met anybody. They've never met him. So and, different. I mean, that's uh, actually the ability to hire from anywhere and bring them on, incorporate people into the team is a huge advantage if you could do that well. Massive advantage. Massive. How advantage. did you uh, How did you onboard that individual? They had like Zoom introductory meetings and. Absolutely. So when I referenced earlier the you know the wall to wall Zoom calls, that would yeah. pretty much describe it, right? And and it is, and it's inviting them into, and in some ways it, it was easier, right? So that when you have a remote team that's getting together and you add another remote person in as a part of the onboarding, it's seamless, right? Yeah. So it's a, your, your, your client facing organization, if it's distributed, which many companies it is, you know, they're always remote anyways, always zooming in. So adding somebody else, another, you know, we all refer to those of us who remember all refer to as Hollywood squares, right? Like when you're yeah. watching it in gallery view and you see these faces, right? adding another face to the, the Hollywood squares is, is, uh, is pretty easy to do. Yeah. We just need to get a Charlie Weaver mixed in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he was hysterical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that I think is, again, this whole thing is just, uh, it's so surreal, but it has so many fascinating undercurrents. If you're interested in psychology or sociology or anthropology or leadership or any of these things about how, you know, human beings interact and, and get things done is, uh, is trust, right? So mm -hmm. you I know are a huge, as are, I think anybody who understands how leadership and teams and culture are built, trust is, is paramount. Yeah. And so, foundation. you know, a lot of times it can feel hard to establish trust unless you're face to face, right? Unless you're breaking bread mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, you're sharing some kind of, you know, personal thing. Right. And, and well, that's, I agree with that. It's a heck of a lot easier to establish trust over, uh, you know, a commiserating sandwich at lunch, perhaps, than it is via two-dimensional Zoom. On the flip side, as we were referencing earlier, most people, and I'm quite often guilty of this too, aren't really comfortable bringing up non-work-related topics and specifically things about mental health, physical health, I mean, we've all been conditioned and trained. You don't go near that stuff, right? Whether you're scared of HIPAA or you don't want to get the answer to a question, you just, you just kind of avoid that. And now it's become okay. And those are the things that really help. And you know way better than I do the, the science behind it. Those are the things that really help foster and engender trust. And so even though the physical dimension we're in right now has made establishing trust maybe more difficult, the, the mental and psychological has been opened and, and so if in the future world, we can bridge the two together, uh, that could have really positive implications for the workforce. Yeah, taking the best of this remote work world and merging it into this hybrid world we're gonna enter. I agree. There's so many good learnings that came out of this and certain walls and things that came down that have always been barriers to performance, right? So I'm curious, you know, I've been, opining about my crystal ball and I'm, I'm a little curious your thoughts on you know we're talking trust more person-to-person -person trust I'm curious your thoughts on 
where you see the market moving relative to people having trust in a physical workspace. So if we ask our teams and employees to come back to the office, uh, are they going to do it? Or are they going to say, you know what? I don't want to ride that subway. I don't want to ride the commuter rail. I don't want to hop in an Uber. I don't want to touch the elevator buttons. I don't want to share airspace with other people. Uh, no, I, I, you know, forget the time and the rest of it, just from a health concern, I don't want to do it. You know, what do you think, what are you thinking in that front? What are you seeing? As oh, you I, I think, uh, I think you're going to have a mix of people like we always do. You know, you're going to have the people who got tested and said, look, I had it. It was asymptomatic and, you know, I've got herd immunity already. And they're going to be more likely to be willing to go out and do things. And the people who don't know if they ever had it may very well be skittish about coming back and they're not going to want to get in maybe in an elevator in a, in a, in a corporate office building commute with a lot of people. So yeah, it's, you're going to get both. You'd be a group of people who are fearless yeah. and a group of people who are very concerned and certainly anybody who's, got health challenges of any kind, they're going to want to stay remote. Yep. Yep. I think that'll be an interesting uh, labor law thing potentially. And, and I don't spend much time dwelling on that, but is uh, what will happen with folks who are not comfortable coming back into co-located mm -hmm. positions who can't perform their jobs and what ends up happening with those right. scenarios. Yeah. Is that a disability? I don't know. Is that a disability exactly? Right. It'll be interesting. It is certainly case law will come about on that. Oh, I'm okay. sure it's already, it's gestation period, right? Yeah, it definitely is. So, you know, absolutely fascinating times. <clears throat> the world of work would be different. The companies that take this as an opportunity to say, what are we doing better? Let's really improve and become that lead and inspire from anywhere, work from anywhere, manage from anywhere, hire from anywhere company right, which is, and use it as an advantage to complete our digital transformation and merge the best of both worlds. If they could do that intentionally, I think they right. come out on top. I think you're right. It's something we talk a lot about. So we, you know, one of the things I, uh, I love is, uh, and I saw this years ago, was the founder's mentality. It's a, a phrase that's known. I think Bain was the ones who originally coined the term. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, do you have an insurgent mentality or an incumbent mentality? And it really, it's all around, are you, are you, are you entrepreneurial in your approach or not? All right. mm -hmm. And uh, I typically help run smaller companies that at least we, we like to think of ourselves as more of the insurgents, right? Now, whether we always yeah. act that way or not is a different question. But as we're thinking about, to your point about how do you get better through all this, the thing that we used um, pretty regularly in our discussions a couple of months ago when everybody was holding their breath saying like, what's going to happen, right? Are our customers going to be there? Are, are we going to be here? You know, everything was mm -hmm. shifting sands. But the thing that we really talked a lot about was regardless of what, you know, we're an okay position. We are fortunate enough to be in an okay position that if customers just stop picking up the phones for however long or answering emails or whatever, now is the time to, to really double down on, you know, self-improvement, if you will, mm -hmm. right? Like how often do you get a chance to, as a company, as an individual, as a family to say, okay, time out, just kind of work on your own stuff for a while and then we'll get back to life. I mean, it just never happens. Right? At least it hasn't happened no, in my life. Never had that kind of breathing room before. Never. And, and while there was a huge amount of stress associated with that breathing room, 
you know, stress, uh, you know, idle hands in a stressful environment, not great, right? From a mental yeah. health perspective, and yeah. everything else. So we said, let's, let's throw ourselves at how we can get better. You know, what, what can we learn from today's environment? But also, you know, those, I almost think of it as, uh, you know, spring cleaning, you know, Hey, uh, it's a rainy day and the baseball game was scheduled, you know, canceled for my son. So now I have a free day. Eh, I'll clean out the garage. Right. Yeah. So it's that kind of a mentality that I think we've tried to bring to it, that this is our rainy day. And while I don't enjoy rainy days and I'd rather be out at the ballpark, let's make it as productive as possible. So how can we get every part of our house to world-class shape and then bring lessons learned from this, apply them to the future world order and emerge from this stronger. So, you know, let's, how do we avoid wallowing? How do we avoid, which is tough, right? Like how do you avoid really uh, checking out or being overly stressed or, you know, or just being depressed or you know, all the rest that come into it that we're all talking about and seeing every day. And I think having impactful real work has helped, right? It's helped buoy us forward so mm -hmm. that we can start pushing, you know, like, Hey, let's create the light at the end of the tunnel other than just wait for it to show up for us. And, you know, the whole notion of emerge stronger is super important because employees are looking to leaders for that strategic trust. Yeah, we yeah. have great people at the helm and we're going to come out of this in a good shape. They're looking out for our best interests. Yep. And yeah. getting that mindset in place is just vital, I think. Yeah, we've talked, I completely agree. We've talked quite a bit about the, the need for alignment, that are we all aligned on the same the same goals, the same mission, the same vision. And this is nothing groundbreaking, right? And this people, companies have been talking about this for decades, probably centuries. I think in all environments, but specifically in this one, mm -hmm. it doubles down on the need for leaders to be able to simplify. And so, you know, saying here's our 38 point strategic mandate for this quarter uh, is, is an exercise in futility. And I've been in places where we've done that. It's just, it's absurd, right? Like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, Hey, here's the two things we're going to get done in this month. People can rally around that. And so we spend quite a bit of time talking about it. The leader's job is to simplify. And to me, simplicity drives understanding and understanding tremendously alleviates stress and anxiety and there's enough of that going on right now anyways. So if we can not inject additional stress and anxiety or confusion into the workplace and make the workplace the area that is most steady, most understandable, most impactful, mm -hmm. most rewarding, you know, and it's, it's really interesting, right? That is there an opportunity to change that dynamic right now in the pandemic phase of this COVID crisis of, do you make work, you know, the, the solace place, the, the, mm -hmm. the anchor point, the place of certainty, even though there's always uncertainty of revenue projections and costs and cash projections, right? That's why they call them forecasts, right? But can you provide a bit of a foundation by simplifying things and making it feel significantly more controllable? Because everything outside of work for most folks, myself included, feels pretty uncontrollable right now. Yep. No, I think these are really good points. I mean, I think that companies should be striving to make sure that people feel they're on solid footing when they're in the workplace. Things are well orchestrated, very clear, and articulated goals that are achievable. I mean, makes tremendous sense. And I think just the notion of emerge stronger, God, I mean, they've got to do it. 
Well, it's back to the basics almost, right? Like when, when in doubt, retrench and just do the core really, really well. You know, simple messages, care for your folks, communicate it often, listen. I mean, these are, <laughs> none of these are, are, are groundbreaking things, right? But it's easy to get distracted and go chase the really sexy, shiny things. Yeah, I agree with you, Gary. Sage advice, my friend. Really good. <laughs> I think, uh, I appreciate it. I think that this has been a really, really excellent conversation on the whole crisis and ways to look at things and, you know, extract value out of what's happened. Because ultimately, that's the, that's the goal. Well, you know, you and I have always had great conversations about people, about culture, about how organizations come together to do more. And, and that's the fun, right? When you get yeah. to see a group of folks do more together than they could have done individually. And, and yeah. you get to invest yourself and they do as well. And everybody sees a great return. Uh, you know, that's why we get up and I was going to say go to the office, but, you know, yeah. walk across the bedroom now, I suppose, is maybe the better analogy. Yeah, for sure. Well, buddy, you have any other parting thoughts on this? Uh, I think, you know, this is a great conversation. I really appreciate being invited to, to chat about a topic that has been near and dear to my heart for a long time, a continuous journey for trying to learn more and, and better handle the remote distributed co-working discussion. Uh, I think this just adds a whole bunch of really good data and insights and anecdotes to the discussion because all I know for sure in my not very crystal clear crystal ball is that how we work in six months will be different than today and it'll be different in 16 months and 16 years that we're going to keep trying things that don't work at all and hopefully we learn from those mistakes and then we'll try some things that didn't expect to work, but it did. And hopefully we adopt and spread the word and everybody else gets to incorporate it as well. So uh, we're yeah, resilient folks, these human beings. Humans are resilient. And hey, I give you credit for doing one of the first remote reorgs. I think that was really, uh, it sounds like you did a great job. Well, uh, you know, like we always say, proof's in the pudding down the road, right? So let's see. Yeah. And ultimately it's what the customers say. And so as long as the, the customers and the team think things moving in the right direction, then, you know, hopefully you, you made some of the right calls. Yeah. Well, great having you on, buddy. Be well. Great to see you, Frank. Be safe, be well, and uh, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you.